Parenting is already difficult, but we can certainly make it more difficult if we do things that don't help. There's a purpose in parenting, and we've got to decide to stay with the purpose. You're listening to Parenting on Purpose with Dr. Bob Barnes from Sheridan House Family Ministries. I'm your host, Ruthie J. and what would you say then is the purpose of parenting? purpose of parenting is to raise a godly adult. If I forget that God knows the plans he has for my children, if I forget that he wove them together in their mother's womb, that he was writing their days before they were, if I forget that he's the one there, and this is difficult, they're on loan to me. I don't own them. He owns them. He died for them. If I don't introduce them to God and raise them, two things here overall, I need to introduce them to God and then give them the discipline to follow God. King David wrote the Psalms. He knew God. But there were just times he didn't have the discipline and he indulged himself in sin with Bathsheba and other wives, by the way, because other nations, kings had wives, shouldn't die. Little Joseph, my all-time bar none hero, no wife, nothing, living in Potiphar's house in Genesis 39 through 50. And for 11 years, Potiphar's wife chased him around. And he continued to make this statement, how could I do such a thing and sin against God? And that's what made him great, not his MBA from anywhere. What made him great is he knew God and had the personal discipline to not respond to his impulses. He knew how to follow God. So that's the overall purpose of parenting. But if we don't know that, then where do we go to get help to parent? Well, we just, uh, what what are other parents doing? And you look at go to schools and parent meetings and, oh, your kids are signing up for soccer. Oh, yeah, okay, that's a good thing. Be a teamwork and and they need to learn that. Oh, music. Oh, they also have to be very musical. Let's put them up in piano lessons as well. And oh, then we have all these family trips too. Oh, we got to do, you know, all that and all the birthday parties, make sure we have perfect gifts to send with our kids to the... I mean, it it can drive you insane. Oh, we're the first, your generation, more than mine, let me say, generations that are raising children that have, actually have anxiety attacks. We're stressing kids out. I, I have a friend who has out front of his house a koi pond. It just fascinated me that anybody would go to the trouble of having a koi pond. And that koi are these big, fat-looking goldfish things. And so we're walking out. Where he and I are going for a walk in his front yard. It's a big front yard, and we're talking about it. And he goes out. He says, watch this. And he throws this fish, this food, into the kois. And all the kois in the koi pond come to the same place and eat this food. And then he picks up some gravel and throws it in. And they all come and then spit and spit this gravel out. And it's so fun. I mean, they're so programmed to respond to that ripple. In, in, and that's what we do as parents. We are. We conform to the pattern of our culture, that Romans 12 thing, conform to the pattern of our culture. And what happens is we get competitive, we conform to the pattern, we see what other parents are doing. Rather than stop and think and be purposeful about parenting, what will my children need to know how to do when they leave home? And we miss all that. We don't teach our children to be time managers. We don't teach our children to be money managers. We don't teach our children how to handle their sexuality. We don't teach our children how to sacrifice for others, which is so important in the marriage. We don't teach our children how to handle and manage peer pressure. We don't teach the important things. We don't teach our children how to look at things that they think they are gifted at and pursue doing it. We plug them into everything. And so our children, we've raised human doings instead of human beings who don't even know how to think. So exactly what you said, the average mom and dad, but more mom, listen, you know, and they go to meetings or hear friends, I signed them up for this and I signed them up for that. And it's just bizarre. And here's an example. We finished soccer. And when we finished soccer, the dads are talking about travel soccer that comes up next. And 
asking me, am I going to do travel soccer? And this was after another conversation was even better about what sport you're going to sign him up for next. And I said, I'm not signing him up for travel soccer. Well, what are you doing? You're signing up. No, I'm not. We did it. We're done. We're going home. We have other things to do. And they were baffled by this conversation. So do you do any? No, we do one sport a year. The whole family's here watching this one sport. We're going to tourist sport, tennis next. That's what we're doing. One sport, it, done. Because I've got other things for this child to be doing with his life. I'm not raising him to be a world-class soccer player. I'm raising him to be a human being. And they came after Roby because he was a great soccer player to do the travel soccer thing. No, we're not doing it. We're done. We cram so much in and I raise somebody who has no idea how to use this great brain and how to make decisions. Now, did Roby beg me for travel soccer? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So he really wanted to he do really it. He really wanted to do it because everybody else was doing it. Do you feel like you deprived him? I of... think he did for a little bit until I didn't leave it blank. I plugged it in. And, you know, and instead of going to soccer in the evenings, those two evenings a week, we ended up putting models together. And so we put a model ship together and put a model plane together and put model cars together because I was seeing, I wanted to see if he was an engineer. I wanted to sit across the table from him. I wanted to, him to learn how to read directions. And, you you know, you do sequential thinking, you do this. Well, let's put the hole together. No, that's not what it says here first. But more than anything, I wanted to keep his hands busy so I can engage his brain and heart. But while he's sitting there, we did so much talking and we learned how to talk together. And I think that's what a lot of parents don't know how to do, though. How do I keep my kid busy if they're not involved in something and I don't know how to put model planes I didn't together, either. you know? And it was, I, it was a ridiculous plastic model. We I put wouldn't together. even know where to start with my daughter, for example. And so let's just put her in travel soccer because we like it and it's a nice family event anyway. And we'd like to performance, go to performance, performance, performance with everybody gathered around me watching. So she's going to get married, expecting to be a little ballerina, performing, performing, performing. And, but he expects the same thing. And they decide he's not meeting my needs. She's not meeting my needs. We're not preparing them. We're performing them to death. And so that's the one thing. The other thing is parents, the entire family starts to revolve around the sports performance schedule. And we're traveling here, traveling. Rather than the entire family needs to revolve around the family. And by the way, guys, the entire family, how do we help mom? Mom is the household engineer. She's the engineer that makes this all work. Mom, how can I help? Mom, can I set the table? Mom, I wanted to teach them that life is not all about we're picking you up and I'll, I'll get you something to eat. And that's not the real, the adult world. People aren't serving me, serving me, serve me so that I can be the rock star performing out there. That doesn't work. And that's not marriageable. And that's not preparing them for the adult world. I think there's this incredible pressure though, also in our culture where our lives completely revolve around the kids. So much what so. What a shame. Like, you know, well, and you've said it many times too, we, our social lives were kind of diminished significantly when we were raising kids. And of course, that's natural. You have to, you have to take care of the kids and home and all that stuff. But there are some parents where it is the purpose of their existence to serve their children and to make sure their children are amazing. What do you say about that pressure? Because I, some of it is not bad because you do, you have only 18 years really for this kid to get out of the door good. But, uh, you know, do children accompany you in life, sort of, or do you make life all about them? No, they don't. And everything I do, I have to decide, how will this how will this raise a godly adult? Back to Joseph. He had to go through 11 years of being a slave to learn how to be a leader. 11 years of being a slave. 11 years of serving others because he was being served. That's what made his older brother so jealous. He was overindulged. Part of this training is... It can't wrap around my children. Yes, we had no social life when we had children, but we had no social life when we had children. 
because we did stuff with them. We didn't sit and watch them. We didn't have these chairs that spent days and days year-round where we set up the chairs, the watch my child perform chairs. We didn't. We would go home. We'd make things. We'd do things. We'd have fun at home. We'd be together. It wasn't all all about watching, putting them on the stages of life because that doesn't prepare them to be married. That doesn't prepare them to be friends with anybody. Watch me, watch me, watch me. No, there's no doubt I love sports. Got to go to college for sports. Didn't really get to play anything, but I love sports. But I think the end of the day, sports are just one little minimal thing. Did Tori take piano lessons? She did. Did she have a recital every every year? Yes. Is she a concert pianist today? No. She's awesome today because there are so many other things. I think when we don't know what to do with them, we subcontract them out to other people we think are experts. They're not experts. We subcontract them out. This is my child. God holds me accountable. Did we go for walks? Yes. Did we get a little funny boat that I paid 200 bucks for and put it on the little funny lake behind our house and try to learn how to fish? Yes. Hilarious. We found ways to spend time together rather than just watch my kids perform. But the culture pushes you and pushes you and pushes you. And then all of a sudden you have a five-year-old and the culture pushes you immensely on how you're going to educate them. You're going to homeschool them, public school them, private school them, Christian school them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And all these different options. And you get these camps that are coming at you. And they really came at Rosemary because, she, you know, the thought was, okay, she was an educator. So obviously, and she was homeschooled. Obviously, she's going to homeschool. Now, I love homeschool. I think it's great. We didn't homeschool our kids. It was wrong for us. God put us in a situation where I put my kids in Christian school. I got an extra job on the weekends to do that. I wanted Rosemary home. And she wanted to be the household engineer, engineering our schedules and thinking because I'm working hard and I'm reacting. Well, so-and-so is doing this. And so, so should we be doing that? And she helped me sit up at night and think, what's the end result of that? What, what do we get from that that benefits more than our children being with us and us doing something together as a family? Mm-hmm. Running around like that, what could be the benefit more than playing Monopoly, learning how to win, learning how to lose, laughing? And you know, I would come with my game face, sometimes a visor on my head like this is serious business. I just want them to laugh. But I want to have fun. But I want to teach them how to win and lose. But I want to be together. I want to be together. And so I think if, you know, and I believe there are five general things you can do that will make parenting an already difficult, challenging job more difficult. And one is to conform to the pattern of the culture and look at the culture and see what they're doing. And the culture has decided that they have deified education. And the culture has decided they've deified some of the universities of our land. And we've had some people go to some of these quote, great academic institutions in our land and come out and be elected officials doing horrible things, horrible things. Is education important? Yes. I taught as an adjunct professor at three universities. I think it's important. It wasn't in the top five for me. Education is important, but there's so many more important things that I'm training my children towards. And so I just think we need to sit back and think, are you letting the culture raise your child? Are you letting the culture make the decisions for your child? Or are you deciding we will not divide and conquer their schedules and drop them off and pick them up and drop them off and pick them up? And, oh, let me kiss you goodnight. It's the first time I've seen you really touched your little body tonight. So let me give you a kiss. I'll walk up and say your prayers with you. That's it? I'm supposed to have a relationship. See, the farmer didn't have to think about this. His kids came home. There was no dropping them off. They did the farm with him. And in doing the farm with him, he got to spend time with them. And he got to breathe into their hearts. I want to do that. I want to read books with my kids. I want to do those things we did, but I could have easily conformed to the pattern of this culture. I could have easily gotten competitive. If I think for me, if I wasn't forced to think about parenting because I was forced to think about parenting because we're here at Sheridan House helping raise kids and because I have a brilliant wife who would constantly say, 
So is that going to end up being more valuable for our children than time with us? So it's no, it's not bring them home and park them in front of a tablet or park them in front of a television. Television wasn't really big in our lives. We didn't ban it. We just didn't do it a lot. What was big in our life was playing games, doing things, having a family night once a week where we played games. Somebody picked what game we play. Somebody helped mom cook, whatever it was, just to have fun together. Is your family fun or does your child have to go down the street to have a breather and laugh? I want them to be laughing at my house because we raise them from elementary, middle, and high school. They are so busy with not a second to think. They arrive on a college campus with only two or three hours of class a day with another 21 hours with nothing to do, first time in in their lives with nothing to do. Yeah, they have no clue what to do. Little wonder they get in trouble and walk away. And another issue is that we as parents are so busy as well. I mean, we're, we have to work hard to make sure that we can afford the car payments and have everything in those vacations every year and meet the expectations of ourselves. And, oh, we're not comparing with anybody else. But I also want a nice vacation in a nice car, just like my neighbor, you know? Yeah. And so we overwork ourselves too, and we're late. So one parent's taking care of everything else. And it's just there, there's a dynamic there that there's a lack of balance sometimes. And it's hard to get back into balance. It is. And it requires some thinking. And it requires sometimes an entire weekend shut down. Let's just talk. What will we be glad we did later on? Will I be glad I had those three nice cars back to back? One of the jokes here at Sheridan House is that Bob, me, drives a car with 210,000 miles on it. I'm good. It it's works. All good. <laughs> and that, I can't let that define me, even though you know I'm the fundraiser, so I do end up driving around with people that have really nice cars. It's okay. It's all okay. I want to be glad I spent time with my child rather than worked hard to support a lifestyle that projects he's successful. The success is my children. Success is who begat who. That's all they will remember. No one will come to my funeral and say, you know what? He really had nice cars. What they will come to my funeral and say is, wow, I hope, I hope he raised good kids that love Jesus and he invested in his grandchildren. He had one with him all the time. That's what I want them to say. Who begat who? That's the project. I have these children on loan. I will have to give them back to him. And they're his children. I cannot let the culture dictate my parenting. I do that and it becomes so much more difficult. You've been listening to Parenting on Purpose with Dr. Bob Barnes from Sheridan House Family Ministries. If you want to find out more about Sheridan House, go online and see all the resources that are available there too. All the proceeds go to help the children's homes. Go to shfm.org, short for Sheridan House Family Ministries. And if you enjoyed today's program, you want to share it on social media, you have a question to ask or you want to search, sometimes we've got, we'll spend a day on a topic, but there's a whole week that we have spent kind of really dissecting into it. You can do searches for that online at parentingonpurpose.org. We hope you join us tomorrow. We'll be wrapping up this list of five ways to make parenting more difficult than it already is on Parenting on Purpose. Parenting on Purpose.